0: the cat and cloud coffee podcast is brought to you by wilbur curtis wilbur curtis gives you some of the best batch brewers around they're so consistent they're insane you can program them your coffee's gonna taste better than it ever has and if you don't want to deal with that guess what it comes pre-programmed so don't even worry about it also this family owned company has gone full solar full green full awesome you know what that means that means the sun comes down they get the power the power powers the plant where they create the brewers and those brewers come out to us ready to go have you ever heard of a seraphim not just an angel folks no folks that is a Tasty, tasty brewer for buy the cup coffee. Even the coffee nerds can get a nice little shower head, program that thing. You heard of the clover? This is the new, new. Seraphim, Angel, ring down, happy coffee. Everything is coming together for you if you hit up Wilbur Curtis. And my friend Brant Curtis, who I've seen, who has kids, I have seen, of course I've seen him, he's a great guy. He helps us out all the time. He takes his kids to Disneyland, we have the best time as well. This family-owned company treats people right. They do a great job. They're becoming the premier place to get your coffee equipment for batch brewing. Do it to it. And if you need a water boiler, guess what? They have that too. Okay, bye-bye.
1: We're doing it. We're here in the bush. Tasmanian devil. (laughs) (laughs) Tasmanian devil. You might see a kangaroo just hopping by. You might see it. Who's that? It's a drop bear. Drop bear. Drop bear. Drop drop bear. That's it. Drop air, drop air, drop air, drop air, drop air, drop air. Don't make the motherfucking beat drop, don't make the motherfucking beat drop. Bloody hell, bloody hell. Are we recording? Oh, what's up everybody? Welcome to Cat and Cloud Coffee Podcast. We're in Australia, it's certified, we're in Melbourne, or as if you're an Australian, how do you say it? Melbourne. Melbourne. You're in Melbourne, mate. Bloody hell. Look out, bloody hell. Let's talk Australian. Uh, How you going? Care for a coffee, mate. (laughs) Filter brew? (laughs) I don't know what the fuck Care for a coffee, mate. Care
2: for a filter brew.
1: So Jared and I are actually in Australia. We got here last night. We're running off zero sleep. We flew for a very long time. I've never been to Australia before. Neither has he. And so far, it's the best thing ever. (laughs) We realize that we we need to spend infinitely more time here. We're calling out we're going to come back, but... Anyway, let's cut to the chase. We've got the dynamic duo, the poster boys of Specialty Coffee. Poster boys. You may have heard of this hot boy band. Very popular in the 90s. They're back. (laughs) Tim and Tim are here. Varney and Styles. What's up, y'all?
2: It was early (laughs) 2000s.
1: I'm going to pass my mic off. Hang on. Let's clear this up really quick. You have to talk so our guests can know since we have two Tims. Who's what and who's which? Which Tim is speaking
3: now? So I'm I'm Tim Williams, the uh, serious one, <laughs> the serious <laughs> one, the one who the one who corrects facts. Uh, <laughs> Tim Williams slash uh, Styles, uh, and the other Tim is Tim Tim Varney slash Tim Varney
2: T- slash the other Tim, <laughs> yeah.
0: Tim squared, Tim two, Tim two. Tim um, two you guys have been up to many things. Do like a do like a five minute sum up of and I'll pass I'll pass my mic back to one of y'all of what's been happening over the last you know whatever year and a half what brought you together and then uh and what's going on right now
3: all right year and a half uh year and a half ago uh my wife and one daughter at the time packed up our house in London and we flew to Australia um to restart life in Melbourne uh and we welcomed uh Two twin babies, uh, two more girls, so three girls, three or under, into the house.
2: Uh, I've had no babies
3: in in the Other Tim's had no babies, so we're averaging 1.5 between us. Um, Yeah, so we came back to Melbourne uh, to actually kind of like uh, get a bit more set up with the World Aeropress Championship here uh, out of one location um, and also launch our uh, second business, which is uh, Bureau Collective like a kind of co-working space for coffee roasters and incubator to help get like Melbourne cafes uh, to start roasting. Um, and, and that's pretty much kind of what we've been focusing on.
2: That's enough in a year and a half, I reckon. <laughs> like most of that was done by the other team and I was kind of along for the ride, I suppose. Oh, positive vibes.
1: So we were talking uh, briefly about your work day. Well, actually... Let me back this thing up. Let's dive into a little bit deeper about what each of these things are. So if you're listening to this podcast, you probably have some idea of what the world AeroPress championship is. And I'll tell you, it's a behemoth of a machine. There's three people that are running it on the back end. Two of them are right here. There's two people that oh, are running Jared. on the back end. Yeah. Never mind, I'm a liar. There's two people. And, <laughs> and one thing that Jared said that I won't say, um, how did you end up doing this? So this isn't, you know your first foray the specialty coffee. Both of you have been working coffee for a very long time. How did you end up running, hosting, and managing this thing that is the World Aeropress Championship?
2: I think for the for the, uh, like I was making fun of coffee competitions for ages. That was kind of my bit, I guess. And um, the Aeropress Championships happened. Well, it started ten years ago um, with Wendelbo. Um, Never heard of him. Yeah. <laughs> He's, he's, he's <laughs> he don't worry about him. He's, his past crop. He's a, <laughs> um, a
1: land before time. That's right.
2: Yeah. Um, yeah, it was like three people in a, in, in the cupping room at Wendell Bow. Um, there was a little bit of cake at the end and, and we, we, as a joke named it the World Aeropress Championship and that joke has just gotten out of hand and. Was
0: that cause you wanted to say whack? <laughs>
2: whack was, whack, actually, I don't know who. I think Mark Dundon was the first person to um, recognize the significance of the WAC part. Okay. And, uh, yeah, and th- that continued on as well. But now, like, 10 years on, it's actually kind of, yeah, grown out of control. It's getting pretty serious. It's very serious. It's like Last year, we had it in, like, 51 countries, for memory. There was, like, 90, 90 competitions around the world, and... And we've just sort of, we're about to leap into the 2017 season and it's going to probably be 60 odd national competitions and probably a hundred sort of competitions, Aeropress championships around the world. Like even France has, France has like six, seven, eight, ten, sorry, 10 regionals. 10 regionals for the (laughs) whack-offs. unbelievably well organized, they're doing like six or seven themselves, so... Yeah, it's it's that's big growth. It's big growth, yeah, for sure.
0: That is badass. I didn't realise it got that large. So Chris and I got to Oh, it's large. MC major.
2: Can we just can we need to backtrack a little bit? Okay Can we just explain where we are and how much we've had to
0: drink? This is very weird. We're sitting under a tree at a what, not a brothel, (laughs) that's for
2: sure. It's a con it's It's a a convent, convent. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's it's actually
0: an extremely safe brothel. (laughs) Yeah, we're at a convent, actually, guys. We're outside in Australia, what, north of Melbourne, and we're next to a vegan restaurant where you pay whatever you feel like is worth paying because that's what you do on a convent. And then there's a party going on inside with many people from La Marzocco to out-of-the-box deal.
1: Yeah, for even more context, we have just got done with a whole day of La Marzocco out-of-the-box. Which was great. We were speaking, we were on a panel, there was a lot of coffee, a lot of machines, different speakers in different rooms, big dinners. We've been talking all day and are in the you know, I wouldn't be lying if I said we were slightly
0: delirious. Slightly delirious is definitely yeah. And holding, then holding both of the microphones. <laughs> yeah. Still not
2: over talking.
0: Yeah, no, no, we never are. And we're sitting under a tree and uh and Tim Williams style. Said that there's no chance we'll be eaten by funnel spiders or snakes, so we're sitting under this tree happily. Funnel web, funnel web, oh, funnel web web spiders. I just hear day. they're very terrifying. And uh, and I just okay, so yeah. Then fast forward, or rewind, we were <laughs> in Atlanta, and we did we uh, we emceed for the U.S. Championship, and it was a lot of fun. And what you guys had gotten going. Has turned out to be a really cool thing that's been like really, really polarizing and people are really into it.
3: It's, yeah, it's been, it's been incredible how well it's been received. Um, and it's kind of, you know, what it turns out is that like coffee people like to go to things that aren't that complicated, that are fun and have free beer. Um, yeah. You know, it's maybe not the most incredible realization in the world, but, um,
1: Break down the format a little bit more, because we have a lot of people that listen who aren't straight baristas. So sure. there are some people who are maybe home enthusiasts who are be like, "What? What do they mean?" So we said it was serious, but you're getting to where we're going, which is it's not super serious.
3: It's, it's definitely not in terms of a competition. You know, we say expressly on the website that if you're entering this competition because you think that by winning it you're going to have a lucrative consulting career, or you're gonna uh, you're gonna be like working the trade show circuit. <laughs> you should definitely, definitely, definitely go on into the World Barista Championship. Um, it'll cost you ten grand, And, you know, if you do well, you could be on a plane every week of your life <laughs> to, like, spruik the latest espresso machine. And and if if that's what you want out of life, that's brilliant. Sounds and you great. Should definitely, you should definitely put the work in. If you want to show up to a party that has free beer, that has a lot of people having a really good time, Uh, where people don't take themselves too seriously and meet other people who are really kind of like of a like mind, the World Aeropress Championship is probably the best bet.
1: So you make coffee using an Aeropress. That's right. How does the judging work?
3: Really, really simply. Uh, There is no formal criteria. There is no score sheet. It's, Uh, It's like hot or not. Yeah, yeah, I think I, think I know <laughs> what that is. Um, <laughs> you know, on the count of three, every judge points to the cup that they think tastes the best. And judges do not have to validate their decisions. They don't need to have it verified by a head judge. It's just which cup do you want to drink the most of? Um, and that's all there is to it. Um, we registered our uh, complaints, e- our, our, like a our competitor protest email address today. Uh, w- w- which is just try to have fun at aeropresschampionship.com. Uh, um, we don't in- intend to respond to any protests that come through from competitors. Uh, <laughs> it's fuck off at aeropresschampionship.com. It's <laughs> like, you know what, if you're there and something happens that's so bad, you need to complain and protest about it. Yeah, You're probably taking the competition a lot more you seriously. Could, you could change
1: do. it to you just don't get it at worldaeropresschampionship.com. That would work com. too. Yeah. That
3: would definitely work too. <laughs> yeah. Wait. So you guys also
0: just semi recently released a book? Is that true?
3: That or is true. Something of the sort. Is that yeah. was that a release
0: or what happened there? Because I saw yeah. it, but I haven't personally like I saw it on the internet.
3: No, we checked, and you haven't bought a copy yet. But that's cool. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, we're so, behind in the times. So this was uh, a thing that we. I was sitting in a pub in East London, uh, probably about two and a half years ago, and and we we're thinking about things that we could do for the, for the Aeropress Championship that'd be cool. Uh, and it was actually a little bit inspired by the Lama yearbook that the guys do every year, and we thought, like, like, what we do is really awesome, and it's an event that brings a lot of people together, but once it's over, there's, like, kind of nothing left, Right. right. And w- all we wanted was one little thing that was tangible, and that kind of summed up just how big this thing has gotten, right? Because it's still the case that we wake up multiple times a week and think, like, for my job today, I'm going to get up, and I'm going to speak to a dude in North Galilee and uh, a woman in Tel Aviv, and we're going to talk about putting on the very first Israeli AeroPress championship. Like, that's my morning today. Um, and that's totally surreal. So we wanted something tangible that kind of sum that up and that kind of showed how different all the AeroPress championships were and how much fun they were. So we th- said, we'll do a book. And everyone we talked to said, definitely do not do a book. You will lose a lot of money, no one buys books, Um, it's really expensive, it's going to take a load of time. And all of that was true, right? (laughs) Apart (laughs) from the fact that no one is going to buy a book. Um, We had no idea just how instantly popular it was going to be. We pretty much sold out uh, like, uh, what is it, April on Friday. uh, So that's uh, seven months ahead of schedule. Um, That's great. And it's been really, really well received. Uh, So you know what we didn't do? We didn't
0: talk really at all about. So, yeah, a lot of the people who are listening to us right now do know who you are. But a lot of people don't. They're like, okay, these guys are cool. They did the, the World Aeropress Championships. We're, we're in Australia talking to them. But, I mean, you guys you guys have, um, Chris and I know, significant roles in the past in coffee. Do each of you, you know, go for it, Varney. Speak a little bit about, like, where you came from and, like, how you fell in love with coffee. People love to hear that stuff. Yeah. Everybody's got a different story. And then you can take it away, too, Tim, because I know you've done a, a pretty vast array of different coffee and, like, food jobs as well. And so. Yeah, I'm
2: always more impressed by other people's experiences and how they got into coffee. But mine was the same as everyone else. You sort of fumble into it, go to university, have a cafe job. It's you kind of into this coffee thing. You get into it a little bit more. You decide to travel. For Australians, you decide to travel. I went over to London, um, worked for Illy for about two years, kind of got the vibe of that. Um, then I guess my kind of professional career started with when I
3: (laughs) 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 went
2: went to, to, went to Oslo and worked with Tim Wendelboe, um, from, from day dot and started roasting with him and that was fantastic. And then, uh, and then I just felt homesick having been away from Melbourne for 11 years. So moved back to Melbourne, pissed about for about a year fumbling my way around, figuring out what I wanted to do, had a few ideas, da 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 da, da. Uh, Was obviously doing the World Aeropress Championship this whole time, and that was kind of um, great. And then when Tim came on board, that kind of um, pushed it into the stratosphere a little bit more, which is great. And then we decided, well, Tim actually decided that he was going to move back to Melbourne as well, and... We kind of put our heads together, and that's when Bureau Collective came about. Right. But, but before we get into that, Tim needs to do his little special introduction, I suppose.
3: Oh, bring it, Tim. It, yeah, mine's actually not, not vastly dissimilar. It was the same kind of university experience. It was like, moved to Melbourne to go to university. Absolutely hated university uh, with a passion. Um, the only ever good day I had at uni was when... Um, the most annoying people in my course chose to occupy the student building and and protesting something I I have no idea what and uh, it was kind of cool because they were gone for the day Uh, but then they came back and I said this is not for me anymore I was working in a cafe as well just for like some cash Um, and I just really enjoyed it I was getting up at five in the morning or four in the morning to to work in this shop and uh, I found it really energizing and it was kind of a lot of fun so Kept working in, in coffee and was lucky enough to work for Mark Dundon at his first place in Brunswick uh, here in North uh, Melbourne for probably about a year or so uh, and learned a lot. Ended up in London as well, um, working for a few different places there, including Square Mile. Um, mm-hmm. Over to LA where I met you guys uh, for right. the first time at the USBC back in 2008, nine-ish, nine? I think. 2009, yeah. yeah.
0: I was terrified I didn't know what was going on that was a big year for me it was a big year for everyone yeah yeah certainly
3: Um, but that was really fun you know I worked for Intelli for a year and then uh, moved back to London uh, and yeah worked for another coffee company there uh, for about four and a half years doing green buying and uh, kind of general operations stuff uh, until it was Time to come back to Australia and launch my own thing. You make it sound so boring, but it's so insane. I went for Intelli for, like,
1: a year. It's kind of like a big deal, right? You're, like, grazing over these things. Like, I I was, like, we were talking about this earlier. The looking from the outside in, I was, like, fascinated with the world that you guys were in at the time. Because you're opening these, like, crazy weird stores, you know, that people in the States, like, hadn't really seen concepts like this before. Like, when you were there and you were opening like Abbott Kinney in venice that store was like what the fuck is going on like what are they doing over there
3: it was exactly the same yeah sentiment on the inside as well it's uh, like,
1: yeah that's it's so crazy it's i don't know it's so interesting to hear people's stories because i'm just like whoa and people are like yeah i worked there for a year or something yeah and i'm it's, like tell me about the craziness it's, it's about time the magic. and place
3: like seriously like yeah you know what like it at the time they needed someone to do a particular thing. And I wasn't, I mean, I was, I was a chef at the time, uh, in London. And, um, yeah, that had always been a dream of mine. And I was kind of a year and a half into, into working in a kitchen, which, you know, you join a kitchen when you're 28 or 29, like that's super late. You yeah. Know? I was 13 years behind the chefs that I was working alongside. Um, and it was really, really tough. Uh, and, yeah, I was living with Stephen Morrissey, and I was kind of involved with his uh, 2008 um, uh, Barista Championship win. And you taught him how to hold three cups on one hand, <laughs> something like that. <laughs> I, I did go scouring no, I East London Bethnal Green Road for muslin uh, one day <laughs> uh, until we found a shop called Muslin World. L- literally, Muslin World—they have uh-huh. everything you could ever
1: want under one yeah, roof—and it's still there. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to Muslims. <laughs> it's not a paid <laughs> Plug. advertisement. But They're know. not a sponsor of this podcast, but we <laughs> love
3: them anyway. Yeah, so I mean, like the phone call came through. I'd expressed some interest about the job, but, you know, I didn't know where Venice was. Like, I didn't know any, you know, I had no desire to ever go to Los Angeles. But um, it's just one of those things that happens and it works out, and that's how it goes. Such is life. So yeah.
1: we're going to loop this whole thing back around. We heard a little bit about the AeroPress Championship. Bureau is something else that you guys do together. It's a roasting space. It's a shared roasting space, correct?
2: But you provide
1: more than a roaster. Talk about that for a little bit.
2: Yeah, I guess um, the sort of primary function of Bureau is to um, put into the hands of Melbourne cafe operators the ability to roast their own coffee. um, And with zero experience in roasting. Um uh Tim and I are kind of available to sort of pass over anything that we've learnt, any of the experiences we've had in in roasting and buying green coffee and being a, a, a roastery or a, a roaster um over to these people who um have the uh dream or desire to to be or the control of roasting their own their own coffee and their and having control of their own product. So um, yeah. So we, we, we kicked things off in, in July, uh, 2016 and, um, yeah, we've got, um, eight fantastic members that we call them on, on board who have been, um, uh, you know, taking control and, and, uh, some of them are totally self-sufficient and, uh, doing amazing work and, uh, buying great green coffee and, and, um you know, uh, reaping the benefits of of doing your own thing and and it's been really awesome to see.
0: Yeah, it's kind of fun. So do you, are you, you're able to help these people see through their vision, right? So are they coming in and they're like, we kind of like coffee like this company and a little bit, we want to have it a little more like this. And you're like, okay, well, here's some of the ideas on how to, you know, achieve that in the roasting. But is it also something where you're, you're helping these people source specific coffees to achieve those goals as well? Like how, how deep does this go?
2: yeah like that's a that's a really tricky one like we don't want to delve too deeply into their own business but we want to try and um introduce them to the right people like the right green importers for instance so that they're sourcing the coffee that they um want to be serving themselves in their cafes um we kind of guide them in the right direction for the style of roasting they want to do we're really wary of not like pushing out a bunch of carbon copies of um the same roasters and we want their sort of personalities and their um you know ideas of what they want to do sh- to shine basically so um we're kind of here just to um empower them basically um and yeah like it, it's been it's been a really great process like we have so many different personalities and so many different um ideas and We've, se- we've seen like people really take advantage of the opportunity they have in not having to run a roaster. Like you guys know maintenance of a roaster and cleaning and, you know, making sure you have parts on hand and, you know, all the sort of technical stuff is kind of just a, a time drain and yeah. it kind of, we're hoping that it allows our members to be able to like not focus on any of that stuff and purely focus on doing something interesting, buying amazing green coffee, roasting it really well, just learning along the way. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of what
0: we're here to do, I suppose. That's fun. Is, it, uh, is this something that you've been, you guys have been kind of collectively passionate about over the years and you're, you're finally kind of seeing a dream achieved? You know, or is this, is this something that kind of just like came about and you're like, oh, this is actually a really cool idea that nobody's really executing around here and maybe we could delve into this, you know? Is this, is this like a majorly long premeditated idea?
3: Yeah, it's a great question. There's there's definitely a little part of um of the latter, you know, the idea that that, that it is a really cool idea and you know, Steve Mears is doing a similar kind of thing in um in New York and now again in uh, Oakland I think, um, with Pulley Collective and, and we're certainly aware of what Steve was doing. But like for me personally, um, you know, I was working for a, a fairly well established roasting company in London. Um I've been there probably about four years. Um you know, working for a couple of really rich dudes, you know, um, and they could have a roasting company because they had loads of cash, you know, like like spectacular amounts of money. So, you know, when you have that kind of money, you can have whatever you want, right? And if you want it to be a roasting company because you think that's cool, that's what you can have. Now, it was one Sunday, we were, we were actually like working really hard on opening our fourth, uh, third location um, and, you know, there was all these fuck-ups with the build and whatever and so we were in there on a sunday and you know i've got a baby at home um and and we opened the sunday telegraph or the times or whatever it was and there was an interview with the, one of the owners about um how he sourced the coffee for the company and you know he didn't source the coffee for the company it was me spending time away from my family in Kenya to sort it out. And there was this article saying like, you know, oh, there's quite a lot of pollution in Nairobi and this creates a layer of smog and smog really helps coffee production. And and it was just utter bold. It's like shade grown. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, Smog grown. <laughs> and, you know, I had this whole crew in there on a Sunday like helping get this store open. And these were like really passionate people with really great ideas. and And everybody in there was like mortally embarrassed about, you know, this, this person who was speaking on behalf of the work that they did, that was just like total shite that they were talking. Um, and so it was like on that day, that I was like, this doesn't go any further. It was like all these people have like the opportunity, or no, sorry, they have the ability and the, the ideas to like do something really cool. And they're not going to get there, right? Because they're working for £9.70 an hour for, for people who are already spectacularly wealthy so that they can have this ego project that was not a drop there that was something else um sure. what yeah. is happening um, and uh yeah so you know that was the day that i kind of like set in place the the idea that i was leaving that company i was going to sell my shares and i was going to do something different that kind of helped bring those ideas about that made like coffee roasting more accessible for people
1: yeah it's interesting when people want all the credit because there's really no tangible benefit to it if you're some sort of business owner you already have like a certain amount of credit that's associated with owning the business and when i'm looking at it from my perspective it's like the more that i can empower the employees like the better off everyone's going to be if someone takes a project from a to z and then owns it i don't want any of that credit they should get it all and that makes everybody look good
3: (laughs) absolutely and and that was a really kind of like painful realization that it was like you know the the work that I had done that these other guys had done um really didn't mean anything to the person who was who was then able to step into a mainstream newspaper and take all the credit and you know with that without that kind of like actual vision in the organization like wh- why were we doing it like it, and so everything felt pretty hollow from that point on and and it was very much a case of wanting to do something different that kind of change this balance you know there are really really good business owners out there that that do a really good job of things but for so many people like like by the time you get to the point of being able to execute on your ideas either like the fire has gone out or you've had to bring on investors who are just like squashing those ideas anyway so we want to see like what happens when we get rid of that process and we'll assume all the risk and all the kind of like tedium of machinery maintenance and rent and insurance and paying utility bills you show up with your green coffee you roast it the way you want to and and you know let's say that takes you four hours a week go spend the other 32 hours a week selling your coffee convincing people why your coffee is best um, you know we figure that people can launch a company with like $750 now, which certainly wasn't available <laughs> as an option when I started. Um, and we just want to see what great ideas come out of this. Tell me about
1: the facility a little bit more. There's one roaster in there, and then do you store green there for your clients? Or? Yeah,
2: we've got um, a really great little uh, green store um, that's uh, temperature-controlled and in Ooh. perfect condition for storing green coffee. Um, but we've got... a uh, like, we we were really conscious of not having, like, a shed space in, like, the arse end of nowhere, where it's, like, you know, 25 minutes drive outside of Melbourne, mm. and pain in the ass to get to. No natural light. So, we wanted to make it more of a retail environment, and I think, coming, Tim, coming from a, that kind of roastery space, and me with, with uh, Wendell it was roasters in shops, basically, um, and... As a roaster, it was a much nicer experience. So we were really conscious of um, producing that similar environment for our for our members. So, yeah, we've got a, a Probatone twelve. Um, we've got a really beautiful uh, cupping table made from antique Queensland hoop pine. Oh, hoop pine! Yeah, you obviously, guys, you that's know, the stuff yeah, I'd pick for sure from an old sugar mill up oh. in up in uh, Queensland. Um, so yeah, and and then we have like space for like. All the quality control that needs to happen with espresso and and all the cupping you need to do and there's packing facilities and all that kind of thing. So, you know, as a as a really small business who doesn't want to spend, you know, a quarter of a million bucks on setting setting up a roastery that we've got kind of all that set up for you. So
0: I noticed you uh, picked a a roaster that didn't sound like it was from 1923 or anything like that. Can you uh, speak to that? Yeah, what well, ideas,
2: I, I I was really used to working on the UG fifteen from 1962, and it was a great story, and it did produce really good coffee. But we're really wary of um, having a having a, a coffee roaster that we're going to be able to buy a second one that performs as 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 um, as, as as similarly as the the f- the first one that we have. So. Um, not having to like retrain people on two different machines, like mm-hmm. a 1962 and then a 1964 Probat UG, which has got these different little um, characteristics. So, yeah, I think like I really, really believe that
0: the the Probatone produces fantastic results. So, right, um, yeah, we're super happy with it. Yeah, we picked a we picked a San Franciscan because for us it was we had the ability to execute, but also if something went down and it broke, we could get parts shipped to us you exactly. know, quickly and yep. fixed and we could be up and running and the the function for us was so much more important than just the look for the sake of appeasing whomever you know somebody would care to appease and like really impress we're like screw that dude we don't need to impress anybody we're trying to make good coffee so right. anyway I, res- I respect that you guys picked that Um, I wonder you know you guys you guys you did spoke about your careers as Chris kind of said is like kind of in passing like yeah they were cool and we did some stuff but I mean your careers you're definitely looked up to by the specialty coffee community like what gets you guys out of bed and passionate every day like there's there's obviously something or else you wouldn't still be in coffee and you wouldn't have come back to coffee you know like what what is it that's just like that's driving each one of you it's just if you look down the the road 5 years from now you know why why are you in the mix what's going down i
2: feel i feel like it's probably really similar to you guys like you ha- now have your own business and it's an incredible sensation like and I haven't had that up until very recently so it changes the game completely like you're responsible for other people um and that that's something that um you know I don't have kids so I don't have anyone else that I need to be responsible for but having um having a team means you need to be um a lot more considerate about uh, and thoughtful about what you want your business to look like and 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 for me what gets me up in the morning i guess is is um the excitement the challenges like massive challenges of 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 starting your own business and i guess for for tim and i it's been like a massive learning curve in terms of how we work together and each day we get a better sense of what we're really good at what i'm really bad at um what tim's also really good at um and that that's like that's a a really great little um journey that that i've that i've that i personally have taken and there's a massive difference between working for somebody else even though you might be completely genuinely um invested in that person and that business it changes the game completely when you own it and you're responsible for it so that's that's kind of my take i suppose tim too?
3: Yeah, I, like, I would definitely agree with the uh <laughs> Willie Styles. Yeah, um, I would definitely agree with all of that. Like the uh, the kind of like um, yeah level of commitment that you have when when it's when it's your business is just so spectacularly different. Um, but yeah, for me, like I've only really ever had like two jobs that I absolutely hated, and um, and when when our first uh, daughter came along um you know my wife and i were both really kind of um keen that we we raised her in an environment where where work was like not a drag like like you spent i know it sounds like so cheesy and so new age and that kind of thing but like you do spend so much time at work and it's like such a big part of what what anyone does um that it's like the most saddening idea that you would that you would spend your life doing a job that you didn't like um or just like spending your days doing things that kind of sucked or that you weren't like super excited about and you know what like like uh you know we we were really keen that for Rita it was like work was like something cool and was like a part of your life um and it was fun and and it was um with people that you really really enjoyed spending time with as well and you know, as you, you kind of touched on before, like, we're a really small team. Like, for AeroPress, it's just Tim and I, and for Bureau, it's Tim, uh, myself, and Joe um, Joanne Watson, who I worked with in London for a number of years, uh, and who's our, our first and only employee. Um, and and Joe is also our first and only babysitter. Like, she's the person who we trust to look after, or <laughs> literally, yeah, to look after our kids when my wife and I want to go out. Um, and it's, you know... <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, and it's Barney's like um, <laughs> every morning when we drop her right to a daycare, it's like, you know, like it's not like, oh, you know, I got to get to work and go check in, that kind of thing. It's like, you know, I'm off to work. I got to catch up with Tim, got to catch up with Jojo, see what's happening. And, you know, my daughter is like super excited to come and visit at work and see what's happening. Um, my wife comes in like two half days a week to contribute as well at the moment. Um, and and to me that that's what motivates me that it's like the the idea of like dragging yourself to work to like punch in and like slam dunk the Henderson account and you know hope for that <laughs> Christmas <party. laughs> like, all that stuff just sucks so much and, <laughs> and fucking nailed and it <laughs> yeah i just don't think that it's like um I just don't think we're in a generation where where that's a necessity uh and and when I worked in a company of 65 people and and there were so many people there that were just showing up every day until they could retire i just felt like i just felt like sick for for the life that they led Um, yeah and i promised it would never be for me or for my family
1: they're all i'm gonna work towards that retirement because the first 55 years of my life don't matter for shit (laughs) just playing for the end game yeah i think that you're hitting on something and you do spend a lot of time at work and it does sound kind of corny, but if you're having a great time, it definitely positively impacts the rest of your life. And since we've kind of got the ball rolling, I know that for me, I was never like a really depressed or weird, like, weirdly upset human being. But my wife is like, yeah, you're way happier now than you were a couple of years ago. And she can see it every day when I walk home, come home, you know, the cafes right around the corner. So I pop in and it's, it's not like that release of like, oh, just got home from work. Give me an hour before you talk to me. Cause that was a fucking ball buster or something. Yeah. It's, it's such a good feeling. What was the scariest thing for you two when you decided that you were going to do this? What
2: was the biggest, like, I don't know if we should? Uh, yeah, I d- I don't know. I felt really weirdly confident or st- like I kind of knew it was going to be okay. And maybe <laughs> that's a lot to do with who I partnered up with. And doing it in a team makes it easier, I think, um, rather than going solo I suppose I don't. I don't have it. If Tim has an answer, I'm going to pass it over to him because I don't have one. And don't say it was me. <laughs> uh,
3: yeah, I actually I didn't feel nervous at all about kind of the financial side of it or whatever. Like uh, you know, with the location that we have um, for Bureau and, and what we're doing there, like we're very much testing the viability of this idea um, you know, on a small scale. And if it if it if this works well, we'll scale it up. If this let's say it didn't work well then you know we hadn't kind of staked houses or anything on this um, the 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 scariest thing for me was that that what we were doing was something really untested and, and Tim and I had been friends for like eight or nine years um, but we would never worked together outside of the Aeropress Championship and that was really a side project for so long um, and we'd never lived in the same city so we're going from being friends you know, good, really good friends, but 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 one based in London, one based in Oslo, and then one based in in Melbourne. To both being in the same city, showing up every day, having to like deal with like, well, did you did you do the expenses and you know have you like um, followed up with this person and have you done all this sort of thing? And it was a, just like a massive shift in dynamic. Right. Um, and it, you know, at the start of that, Chris, we talked about it a little bit before. It was like the start of that was like really hard and learning how to work with someone when there's no one else to come in and say why don't you guys try it like this was really tough um and i was scared about that at the start and i think you know we 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 worked through a kind of a lot of we learned a lot like over the first couple of months and it's certainly at a point now where i think we're doing really well um we can always do better but but that's probably the thing that i was most nervous of uh when launching Totally understandable I mean you get
0: Dynamics together Especially if you go From friends to like Our livelihoods depend on doing a good job There's an added stress there And it's like One of those things Where yeah You have to learn To work together Relationships are gnarly I mean that's just What it is right That's it Everybody's imperfect And everybody's got a thing And you always gotta like Let some of the things slide For the benefit Of like the greater good and, And that's We all have our Our things with each other I'm sure We're just like Oh that's like a weird thing That he does And but we're still being successful. And so you just like overlook that thing that is like, and then they have it for you. And you're like, yeah, I know I'm totally fucking crazy. So (laughs) Chris knows I'm all over the place and I have to deal with that. And then, but I'll have my value somewhere else where they won't have theirs. And it's a fun thing that happens. And that's, I think it's cool though, Tim, uh, Varney, that you weren't nervous because I always feel like when you're not nervous about a situation, you feel really confident in it is when it's typically like the magic's kind of happening. With like a partnership, and I mean, yeah, it was really nerve nerve wracking for us to open Cat and Cloud, but Chris and I and Charles, I think, felt really confident in what we were doing from the beginning. It was like, I don't know how successful it's going to be, but it's going to be successful, whether that time is sooner or later. Like, I know it's going to be successful. We're going to be just fine, right?
1: Totally. And just to add to that, I. Felt the same way. There was never a doubt in my mind that we would have success as a company. Kiss, kiss,
2: kiss, kiss, kiss.
1: The one thing that was really stressful for me is that like, I was like, okay, we're going to open, we're going to make this thing work. And I'm pretty sure people are going to like it. And I'm pretty sure we're going to be able to scale it up. And then on my mind, I was like, is this going to end up being the thing that I'm really proud of when I wake up in the morning? And that is a challenge. And that does bleed back into the relationship of the whole thing. Because there's three of us. And even though we align on a lot of stuff, there's a lot of stuff that we all have like wildly different ideas about. So there is a lot of that nurturing the relationship between the partners. And if anybody goes into business with someone else and then you have little hangups or like snags and then just gets like immediately depressed by it or like, oh man, this isn't right. I just encourage them to take a step back and be like, okay, this is the same thing as having a relationship with. A significant other and that's like people are these changing growing things and all relationships take work and they're gonna take work for the rest of that relationship no matter how good or bad right. it is like as good as a relationship is like we're still gonna have to work on our relationship in three years because we're gonna be different people you know what I mean and we're gonna want different things and we're gonna need to figure out how to make that work together so don't be discouraged you can do it
0: <laughs> let's put the work in <laughs> You said you can do it, put your back into it. <laughs> yeah. I, <I'm> kinda, <laughs> so yeah. We feel pretty good about all of ourselves, yeah, you guys. Yeah. 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 So wait, I mean we're we're like what, forty plus minutes? So how about this? So that's I feel like we did an awesome job, but what are some things that you guys want everybody to like if everybody's listening and you need them to know a few things about what you got going on. If anybody's like, listening. Oh, they're still. listening, bro. It's Montana's. They want Tell them. Tell them, yeah, like tell them what's what's the what's the stuff they need to know about what you guys are doing or what you the the World AeroPress Championship Circuit like what's some hot stuff before we close this thing off that you guys I'm just gonna hand the mic back over to Big Willie Styles Varney's got your own just go off for a minute bring all the heat
3: I think I think the main <laughs> thing uh, the main thing yeah AeroPress Championship um, you know we feel like uh, we've kind of done okay in the US for the last like seven or eight years uh it's been all right um but we've never been like super stoked on 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 what the competition circuit has looked like it's like what are you like 300 million people now um huge coffee drinking country and we get more competitors in poland (laughs) you know so um Yeah, so, you know, that's that has not been great. But uh, this year, you know, this year we've actually taken kind of control of the U.S. ourselves instead of just farming everything out to hosts. Uh, and so we're looking at at least um, 12 regional competitions, uh, which we're hoping to add a lot more to. Um, we're not dividing things up into, like, northeast and expecting everybody to drive four and a half hours to get to a city that's in the northeast, which I don't know off the top of my head. Uh, northwest might be Portland. Is that right? Yeah. Um,
2: well, but, well, the last year we had bottom left-hand corner, which was the B guys, yeah. which, was, uh, which I thought was really good. And I think that was like the precursor to us realising this regional thing. We're just following the WBC format and it's mad. And the, the reason this thing became so popular is that anyone in any city, in any region can put this competition on because it's just about bringing that particular community together and not about, you know, this sort of form formulate kind of situation so i think this year we were like you know if you want to do a competition go for your life that's mm. great like and that's important for your little community and we're so disconnected from all these people it's really it's really frustrating but it's so awesome to see these people just want to do it they get it they realize that it's fun it realize they get people together they realize they get like their competitors together like in different coffee um roasteries and cafes and that's the best part and so i think that that's what's starting to sort of trickle through in the states now canada we're struggling with a little bit unfortunately and again i think that they're a a region that i would have thought that would be really into it strangely france there's like 10 regionals spain we talked about this there's like eight poland has a massive like over a hundred competitors in one competition, which is just mad. It's just like must be such a wild party, and I'd love to get over there.
3: Yeah, but yeah. you know what? I think we're, we're like by kind of taking a bit more control in the US this year. We're really going to bring it bring it around, and it's going to be. We're actually going to host the final ourselves, um, which will be later in the year. Uh, we can't kind of say where it's going to be just yet, but it's um, it's going to be a pretty awesome party with. Awesome working buddy. with a bunch of um partners that partners. we've done a lot of cool stuff with before um and so we're just excited but you know what like you know there's whole parts of the country where we're not we don't have events happening um and we would love to hear from people who want to put on a competition it's like unbelievably inexpensive to do it um the benefits of bringing your local coffee loving community together are huge um any place any city where there's not already a competition we're willing to hear from um so so call now on one 800 aeropress Where do they catch you if they want to email you come on the website yeah, it's it's it's, all it's there. literally aero.press yeah. is the website it's it's um yeah, and, yeah we got it baby. I <laughs> snagged that I, I snagged that one really early um uh all the information is on there on, in terms of like what it takes to host, um, a little form to apply to host, uh, and then just our contact details as well if you want to get in touch. We're, like we said, just two people. We're super responsive. This is not like going to committee. Um, yeah,
2: address it to Tim and you'll get the right person.
1: How yeah, hard can yeah. it be?
3: We talk about this stuff every day and, um, and can turn stuff around really fast. So we just want to work with cool people and do fun stuff. Um, and uh, yeah, we want to hear from people who are like-minded. Yeah, does
2: anyone from Melbourne listen to this podcast? Yes, yes, we well, fucking good. Yeah. You know Sexually. we can hold hands
1: and walk through the park at night when nobody sees us. Just have the most intimate <laughs> moment of our Tim's lives.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Can I? S- do you t- love me? Tim's could like you learn to love me. <laughs> Tim's now about six meters away from <laughs> I've, s- anyway. I've screwed it all. It's fucked. So how do people get hold of you again? <laughs> <laughs> At Bureau? Just just email the AeroPress <laughs> website <Jeez>. bollocks. <laughs> I don't know, it'll get to us somehow. No, just Web Webbureau.cc. Email one of Tim's children. <laughs> yeah.
1: Other Tim. <laughs> They'll get right back at you. <laughs> What's your, I have one more question regarding Bureau. As far as taking on new <laughs> clients, do you think you have a limit to the number of people you can take on at your current size? Are you shooting to have X number of clients, or is that not part of the plan? We're looking for X number of clients? Yeah. X
0: number.
3: No, we definitely have a limit like um, of what we're going to do in the space that we have. Uh, we've got kind of eight. Members all using a kind of a uh, what we predicted to be the average amount of hours per week um okay. that one member would use um we've got room for probably three or four more uh, and then we'll we'll probably need to draw a line out of the things for a little while um because we don't want to cut off like the opportunity for the members that we have to grow as right. well like a lot of the guys that we have are opening second and third locations right now they're about to launch wholesale programs, all of these things that we're kind of assisting with in various ways and sort of disingenuous for us to build ourselves as a an incubator and a launch pad for these companies and then say, Well, you got to seventy five kilos a week and, and we don't have any more room for you. Um that doesn't really help. So exactly. So you know we're we're able to kinda ride it out a little while um with these guys and, and hope for organic growth on their part. So yeah, I'd say we we have room for probably three or four more members at the moment. Um and then it's then it's about a new location and much bigger space, or one massive member. <laughs> that, that is one another way to think about it. Certainly,
1: <laughs> you can email Jared's J- fan <laughs> mail to one massive member at
0: gmail.com. It's a, <laughs> it's one, a massive one massive member, <laughs> member at <laughs> gmail. Uh, that's g m
1: a l e dot com. <laughs> that's Jmail for Jared Mail
0: dot com. He's ridiculous. Oh, we've this got this is maybe the
1: best podcast that we've done in the past three months. Well, it's
0: because there's other people to talk to besides ourselves. And I love you. Yeah. <laughs> You've been listening to Ehrlich Bachman
1: and <laughs> Richard Hendricks <laughs> from Bureau Collective and the World Aeropress Championship, <laughs> changing lives in their incubator Holy every day. Shit.
0: Thank you very no. much. You guys want to do some cron or you guys, what do you guys do over here? This, no, this is perfect. <laughs> yeah. What's cron? What kind of drugs do you guys do in
1: Australia? <laughs> What's cron? Uh, what you, yeah, what do you call weed? How does it work? Uh, wacky tobacco. <laughs> the devil's lettuce? <laughs> oh, I saw you hanging out with that child. He was smoking the devil's uh, no, we lettuce. Call it, we
2: call it weed as well.
1: Yeah. We, Wade's world. Weed's world. But really, this has been Tim and Tim. Thanks so much for being on. This was great. and I, We're making a little bit of a pledge here to the audience. We're going to have more guests because... I forgot how fun guests are. Way more fun than ourselves. Yeah. So, yeah. Good, good thank luck you for elevating our fun level to the next, next level. Do
0: do 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 do.
1: <laughs> is easy because you're beautiful.
0: I'm not going to do the rest, Chris. I got pumped. It's late. Let's go get a drink. Bye, guys. <laughs> Proud of you all. See you later.